Hey guys, it's Brian popping in briefly at the top of the show once again to ask you to please support our Patreon if you can. Uh, we are not running ads on the show. We have not asked for money before. Uh, I don't like asking people for money. That's why I, I try to have a day job. It's it's not a it's not a fun thing to do, especially on the internet where everybody asks for money. But uh, yeah, we've been doing the show for 160 odd episodes right now. Uh, bringing it to you for a while. We're pay- paying all the hosting fees. Uh, we're paying our editor, Brian, to do the great job that he does week after week to cut the show down to make it at least half listenable. So if you like the show, if you've been listening for a while, please consider supporting us over on Patreon. You can find out all the info at our Tumblr. That's rylcast.tumblr.com. Even a dollar per episode will help out a lot. So, uh, all right, that's all the begging for now. Thanks so much. Here is the show. I received an email from from Howard and yeah. you know and, and listen to your stuff and it was really great and before figuring out who you were entirely i'm like this is really interesting and i would love to talk to her and then then, lo and behold i you were in that movie that i saw many years ago oh yeah 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 so you didn't know that when you listened to the music no no i just i just sort of went into it blind and i like that cool and then like and then louis pops and then all these Mm -hmm. like right really interesting dots in your career yeah and it's you know it's i mean you haven't you haven't acted in a ton of things no um no, not at all. I mean, I sort of quit acting essentially for a long time. Yeah. I not sort of very deliberately really did. I had no I I still don't have an agent. I had no agent for 15 years. I um went into music and it was totally deliberate. And so, but I had done some things prior to that. Yeah. I was in this movie Trees Lounge. Yeah. By Steve Buscemi. Yeah. 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 And um I actually did a film with David Bowie. Which is you something did. I'm not particularly proud of as as a film or as my acting in it, but I'm very proud of having. Of, say, worked of with saying him. that I've yeah. done a film with yes. David Bowie that you did. I mean, I was looking at it, and it's and you know, if you had to pick like five or six people to work with, because you did a Woody Allen film, right? Yes, I did. I mean, what a what a crazy resume! <laughs> you're kind of yeah. you're kind of batting a thousand. You know, it's like <laughs> right. I mean, it's like Jarmusch. You know, you did that 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 great Steve Buscemi movie, Woody Allen, Louis. And I also worked in music with people I really yeah. respect a lot. Um, so, been really lucky, really, really lucky. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's just, I don't even know how that all came about. <laughs> I'm really lucky. Well, it's, I mean, you see, you seem to have a very kind of charmed career, like because you started. Well, I really mean, early. I don't. I don't have a charmed career. Okay, you know, you know from from a, from a distance. It yes, looks. I mean, because in between those projects, there's a lot of real yeah. life, and and also yeah. maybe I don't. Uh, I I I have a charmed um, pedigree, let's say, in yeah. that not in that they're really big names, but just that I grew up in a very artistic environment where I met a lot of people. That's sort of how the Jarmusch movie came about as well. My parents were involved in a theater group, in an avant-garde theater group, and we traveled all over the world, and I met a lot of people in that 
milieu yeah. uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, New York. It was also kind of a great scene to be a part of. So I do have that charmed background that I think ultimately in some way or another led to a lot of other things. Well, it's... I don't know the entire story, but it, it's... The bits that I've heard are really interesting. I mean, it's a... It's a... You sort of... You started off in an acting troupe with your family? Yes, yes. My parents were involved in an avant-garde theater performance group in Hungary. Yeah. And we left Hungary when I was 10, lived in Paris for a year, and then moved to 23rd Street. First, the Chelsea Hotel, and then down the street... uh, couple of buildings down the street from the Chelsea Hotel and lived there for about nine years and performed there and had a lot of concerts there. It was also a venue, a music venue for a while. So that's why I say it was a real, like, artistic growing up. Well, you, yeah, I mean, you're coming from Budapest, like, right into, I mean, the Chelsea Hotel. Like, yeah. that's, you're kind of in the belly yeah. of the beast. Yeah, I was in I, the belly of the beast, for sure. I mean, you know, talk about culture shocks. I can't even, I can't even imagine what a 10-year-old... Well, it was, a, it was an interesting kind of belly of the beast in Budapest too when I yeah. was a little kid my parents were very hooked into uh, the avant-garde uh, counter-cultural uh, artist scene there mm. they were at the forefront of it so I already had that yeah but yeah it's a New York City was a whole other level of shock to the system but in a good way for me because I was really young and kids are so adaptable and it was exciting and great and yeah, it's 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 interesting, you know. Like most, you know, I, I, you know, most of the people that I know in New York, there you, you meet very few like native New Yorkers. I feel almost like a native New Yorker yeah. at this point. I'm, I mean, I, I feel like I found the five other native <laughs> New Yorkers, and we're like all, yeah. all old friends. But really, most of the people you meet now are newbies, essentially, right? Yeah. Well, and and you know, and, and you know, people of of my age and 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 a little bit younger are having kids and that and that's the big question of you know of like ra- of whether or not to raise in the city but it I mean, was yeah. that even a question for you because you had such you know, like you had your formative years here yeah i'm sort of totally fine with raising kids in the city if you can afford it it's really yeah. just about affordability i do like nature a lot so i try to get out upstate sometimes and get my son exposed to that but that's a tree. I, yeah, exactly. Didn't, lest he yeah. becomes so, he's already like slightly one of those kids that's afraid of the nighttime sure. in the country. Bears, like it's a yeah. little too quiet, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I want to, you know, get a, get him a little more exposed to that stuff. But um, I'm all for city growing up. Absolutely. Why? Why, why is that even a, a question for some people? Other than the affordability. Affordab- I think. I think. That, I think it's affordability. I think space is a big yeah. thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know. I think the question of. I mean, this also plays into affordability, but schools, and then, and then like, and this is certainly not the case, the same case that it used to be, but it's always in the back of people's heads are are, are like safety questions. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's nonsense. It's like so safe here now. Yeah. And any safer than this, you're. Sure. Effing up your kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're putting them in a bubble. Yeah. They're probably more likely to get mauled by that bear in, yeah. in the country. Or just some freaky, like, yeah. repressed suburbanites that, you know. Yeah. I mean, and I'm all for exposing them to the variety of yeah. things. So, so 
I mean, was was acting was acting ever even a question for you? Well, in in a way, no, because I happened into it. Yeah. I, I grew up acting in these plays when I was a kid, and then I must have had something because I got cast in these movies even before Stranger Than Paradise. There were a couple of uh, film students who came at squats, saw me in plays, and and sort of cherry picked me out of the. I, who knows? Or maybe it was just my. I don't know. Maybe it was luck, but I, I kind of started to funnel my acting into towards movies, and mm-hmm. then, um, and then it was sort of not a completely deliberate decision. But it was like, okay, well, I guess I'm in this world now. I need to figure out how to make a living, and I have some experience doing this. Let's do it. So it was kind of a half a decision, but I didn't feel fully in control of it and then I moved to LA and and I did some work in New York but then I moved to LA and the whole um, film business just kind of turned me off eventually it wasn't my scene and I didn't it wasn't that easy for me either I didn't necessarily fit in um, and I didn't hustle hard enough because that's not my style and I didn't even know if I wanted what was available so I slowly but surely distanced myself from that whole world and then I got into music which was in my life all along but not as a songwriter per se I studied classical violin I studied classical singing for a while I always listened to a ton of music and it just was a sort of a logical transition in LA and so I formally quit acting and then uh Louis happened out of the blue. That was yeah. a very strange thing where I even told him, like, you know, I hadn't, I haven't really done this in a you long know, It's been time. 20 years since yeah. I've acted. <laughs> um, and he said, that's fine. And uh, there, there it is. Yeah. But is, is having, like, is having arty, um, you know, acting group, parents from Hungary is that it? I mean it's not, it's not like having stage parents I mean, were they were they pushing you into no, it? Not no not at all not at all not at all they um, in fact my mom I think she, she sort of left the theater earlier and I think yeah. she would have preferred that I have a more stable reliable normal which is kind of odd but she wasn't so fundamental she wasn't like one of the founding members of the theater and she um, my dad was just very hands off. <laughs> he, I mean, artistically, he was a huge inspiration to me, and yeah. we loved each other. But he wasn't like the kind of dad that was really. He was sort of like the kind of dad that said, "Just keep dreaming, <laughs> keep dreaming. Make sure you keep dreaming. Yeah. It's like, don't ask me how or what, yeah. you know how to yeah. put bread on the table. You know. Yeah. But but you know you you, you do you know you're. You're like 16, 17, you're mm-hmm. in this little indie movie, and then all of a sudden it's it a phenomenon. It kind of blew up, yeah. So, it was bigger than I mean, anyone it, expected. It kind of makes sense that that's the path that you're going to follow for a little while, Yes, right? yes. It was very organic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it didn't quite pan out. The, I mean, it did for a little while, but yeah. not as a... And that's fine. And that's and I think I always needed to do more than be, being an actor in someone else's project anyway. I've always had a drive to be a bit of the storyteller myself. Mm. So. so, so yeah, I, I mean, I guess I guess there aren't... Well, I was going to say there aren't avenues for it, but there, there aren't um, 
fiscally sound avenues for 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 being an actor and and like do, doing your own projects. I mean, I, you know, sure you could put on a play or something in yeah, the city, but it's actually, not that easy. It's really hard. No, I mean, yeah, you can be a waitress or whatever, yeah. but that's not doing your own project. But no, that. And music really spoke to me. It just made sense. And I'd been writing words. That's another thing I'd been doing my whole life. Yeah. So that uh, that happened really organically too. But it felt a little more like my decision when it happened. Felt there was no ha- easy. There's nothing that was that came easy with that. It wasn't yeah. like I happened into a situation. I created that. I would say for sure from scratch. So you moved to L.A. specifically to act? Well, I actually went out there. I was in this film which premiered. It's called Bail Jumper. It's really hard to find now, I think. Um, It was an indie film. It had some good press, um, and it premiered out there. So I used that as an excuse to sort of, yeah, give it a try with the acting. But that wasn't the whole story. I I went there with my boyfriend at the time, but it was also a bit of that leaving home like everyone needs to leave home for a while sure. New York had started to really change this was in the uh, very late 80s early 90s uh, and that's a funny question like New York is a place that people go to when they're leaving home yes so exactly so where I mean I guess, I guess LA I guess LA makes sense. LA made some sense yeah. and like I said I had an excuse to go out there it wasn't like I was moving out there forever but it was definitely that thing of let's see what happens out yeah. here for a while because I need a break I needed a break from the tenement apartment scene that I'd lived my whole life in in New York I needed a break from it almost became too provincial and at the same time the good rich fertile art scene that was here in the late 70s early 80s had started to disappear for me at that time so there were a lot of reasons and issues with family all the usual stuff too so it was time to get a breath of fresh air yeah i mean you're you're uh it's it's kind of around like that no wave scene it's that and you're you move here and you're all of a sudden in the middle i mean was it i was like 14 and you know watching um, DNA play was yeah. like one of the house bands at our yeah. club. So what, was it? Was it one of those things that you had to move away from in order to realize that it was in fact a special thing? Well, it wasn't going on anymore when I moved away. Yeah. So I felt actually, and our theater group broke up. Our theater broke up. The scene broke up. So there was a lot of sadness and loneliness around then. Yeah. Uh, for those reasons. But it's also true that, yes, it took me a long time to appreciate that that was very special. And um, it, I was really, really lucky. But it didn't last forever, you know. And that's yeah. fine. Nothing does. What, so what, it, what, what, what was the L.A. experience like for you? So the first year or two was uh, an interesting discovery. I got a lot more nature. Like I said, nature has always been something I kind of long mm-hmm. for. And in New York, I'd been very trapped yeah. in the urban experience. So it, that was amazing. Beaches and Beaches, canyons. Beaches, canyons, and, yeah. hiking, uh, go, going up the Pacific Coast Highway, driving up. That's like, I consider that part of, was like the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. Or, um, but... Uh, by the last couple of years, I loathed it with a passion. 
I think the human factor was mm. definitely lacking for me. Yeah. I know there are great people out there, and I'm not knocking them. I, I know. I personally know some of them. I know but, a few of them myself. Uh, but, in fact, they're like all leaving New York for L.A. now, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, but I was... I was for the most part single out there, yeah. you know, and that's kind of hard and uh, really lonely and there's nothing spontaneous and yeah. there's so many not great and smart people that are out there too. <laughs> Let's just yeah. say it honestly. And uh, yeah, just lonely and definitely disconnected on the human level. Was, you know, it sounds like at least, at least you know, the way that Stranger happened, and I don't know if this is the case for the other movies you were doing while you were out here, but it sounds like, I don't want to say fell into them, but they like they happened in a nice, interesting way. Very organic, organic way, way yeah. yes, absolutely. I mean, and it's funny because people ask me now who don't, you know, what's interesting is I'm just, uh, I know I'm, this is like five years after everyone else, but I'm just reading uh, Just Kids. Yeah, 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 the and, Patty Smith book. Um, People ask me now, like, well, how did you, so how did you get cast in Stranger yeah. in Paradise? And it's like, listening to her, I get, they don't get it. There was this world, and hers was, was before mine, but it was the same thing, where, like, no, you just went someplace with Gregory Corso, and you met that person, well, and then the next thing you there's a scene in that like, book where she's, like, she goes to an automat, and then, like, Allen Ginsberg is standing Exactly. It was like that then, <laughs> and... And for me, it wasn't necessarily Alan Ginsberg, but I also yeah. met Gregory Corso. He actually sure. came to Squad, and yeah, yeah. we were actually—he was. Um, I don't know if you would have wanted to hang out with Alan Ginsberg by the time that you came around. Yeah, like he I was think a that was character. yes, yeah. definitely. But it's just thing, and and no, I didn't go to an audition for Jim Jarmusch. He was yeah. making crazy, weird, super eight films or indie films before then, and he hung out at Squat. He had a band. We hung out at the clubs together. I was good friends with John Lurie, who was playing in the Lounge Lizards, which was one of the house bands. So it's all very organic yeah. and natural. And, and Jim was like, what about, what about Esther? Or maybe John Lurie suggested, like, what about Esther for yeah. the part of the cousin and we'll make her Hungarian you know because she is oh she wasn't Hungarian I'm not sure which came first that I'm not sure but I'm just I'm just sort of imagining that conversation I wasn't actually present the next conversation was like Esther do you want to do this I have an idea you know it's funny though because I I was listening to it on the way here I was listening to an interview that you did and I was thinking like well yeah of course you made sense if they were trying to cast a 16 year old Hungarian girl yeah I don't even know if she was Hungarian (laughs) yeah I think I think she was maybe from another country okay. and and close enough. I mean, it, there wasn't even you know the script was really a skeleton yeah. when I came into it. Yeah, it was actually in some ways more about the casting, which is brilliant, you know, and it, and then working out a script for sure. It does seem Fine. like I mean, it, you know, you look at it now, it does seem like a movie built around the three leads, really. Yeah, it was very much so. Um, did it, it? You just sort of did it on a lark. It didn't seem like a big to do. Well, I mean, starring in a film was a bit more. Yeah. I mean, it was. I could feel that it was a bigger responsibility than, let's say, the the college student sure. film that I did. But I also had a lot of big responsibilities in the stage things that we did, um, starring roles and. Uh, 
certainly did not expect it to become what it did. Mm-hmm. It was still basically one of these underground movies yeah. that our friends were making, and and things were pretty professional. I knew for our for us, but no no one expected it to become like a groundbreaking breaking indie film that sort of went out of our circle. We were still doing it, I think, with the intent of doing it for our peers. Like everyone was doing their work for yeah. their peers. It's it's funny, you know, because you know, I, I know, you know, I, I'm, I'm younger, so I came to it to it later. I mean, uh, but yeah. you know, I, I sort of discovered it through the channel of it being this, yeah, this iconic independent film, and I didn't, and until I started, until I was listening to this interview with you, where you're talking about sort of walking, like signing autographs and being recognized, it didn't. Yeah. I, I don't think the scope of it really occurred to me. I knew it was yeah. important, but I didn't realize that it was. Yeah. I don't know, phenomenon is too strong of a word, but it, like, it, it was. These sorts of things aren't always as important at the time, right? I wasn't um, sure if it became important. It years became later. really important at the time, yeah. But uh, some of that autograph was, funnily enough, at the, the 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 first time I was asked for autographs was it at the Lincoln Center, yeah. uh, New York Film Festival screening, which is, of course, they they that was before it became huge and it was sort of like just in case this becomes huge but I understand <laughs> it's a preemptive autograph preemptive autograph <laughs> but I did understand that just to be in that festival at that moment it hit me like this is actually a big deal like not yeah. every film gets into yeah. this festival um, so you so you moved to LA and then I mean that, that must completely change the process you're actually going out and auditioning right yes I was doing a little bit of that in New York but mostly I was doing some in New York but in New York it was still a little more people who knew my work yeah. would call me and in LA it became a much more formal thing with agent manager um, auditions and my disgust <laughs> how long did it take for that to set in um, it was a slow you know gradual sure. process and I mean I had some of that early on and I think that may not have helped my cause because I had a little bit of I was also very young yeah you were, a, you were a, a young jaded New Yorker a young jaded New Yorker with a little bit of attitude I bet yeah and and I maybe would even say contempt for the whole thing uh, so going out to audition for like sitcoms I probably didn't come off like super eager yeah <laughs> um, but but uh Eventually, the disgust set in, and and I also had some good experiences out there. But ultimately, I think overall it wasn't a great fit for me. The LA film scene and me weren't a little bit like yeah. oil and vinegar. Were were you? Wait, did you actually audition for sitcoms? Are there? I think I did. I'm sure yeah. I did. Yeah, I'm sure I did. Yeah. It was just a, it was just a maybe for trip. like the Romanian housekeeper, which was not a part I was oh. particularly interested in. Well, yeah, you and, you know, this, is, this is something I've, I've heard you talk about too, and that, that was I think part of like the initial hesitation with taking the Louis role was like absolutely I don't want to be the Eastern yeah, European, but that's not a sitcom. It was a very different. Situation. Oh no, I'm, I mean I don't mean from the format of just being yes, like absolutely. Uh, not I had like pigeonholed into. I totally was dreading dreading the pigeonholing thing, so that was an yeah. issue in LA. Um, and also I found the whole, like so many of the projects that I even went up for embarrassing that I, a part of me yeah. was probably praying that I wouldn't get it, which would force me, getting a role like that would force me into making a decision about it. And there were a couple of things I did turn down and then things I didn't get. And then, you know, uh, 
I actually have a funny story about an, a manager I had out there who at one point said that I she wants me to meet with a director who's making a movie called Crime and Punishment. <laughs> and uh, The book is great. And she says... Uh, and I said, oh, okay. And she says, yeah, it's ba- it says here the breakdowns that it's based on a book by someone named... The, the, I can't pronounce his name. And I was just like, lady, <laughs> I think yeah. you and I are done. Yeah. Like, our, I didn't say that, but I my heart yeah. sank so far down into my stomach that I, I think that was actually the that may have been the turning the point. point. That's really funny. <laughs> I like had this. I had a very similar conversation last. I've been going on job interviews lately, and I. I was in a job room with somebody, and he started talking about crime and punishment, and yeah. I just start, you know, I was I was talking a little bit about the book because um, I think people tend to lump it in with like War and Peace as these, you know, mm-hmm. just like right. great right. Russian works of literature. But but crime and punishment is a much more accessible. It's a thinner book, yeah, and it's a much easier book to read. It's not like the longest book ever yeah. written. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not the longest book ever read, and 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 it's sort of kind of a page turner for what yeah. it is. And he got, and I started talking about the plot, and he got mad at me for spoiling the book for him. And I feel like there must wow. be a statute of limitations. Okay, you know, I think that's like you know, hundred yeah. years should be oh, man. the limit for that. It's like, don't tell me the end of Robinson Crusoe. Yeah, or yeah. How, how does the Bible end? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> or yeah. So, so I mean, it was so. This is we're, we're talking like late eighties at this point. Um, well, late '80s was when I moved out there. Yes. This is like probably mid mid '90s. I started really that. That's when I sort of quit the film thing, and maybe even a little earlier, and got more and more serious about music out there. And uh, then I moved back in '97, and that's when I made my first record. It, it, it's interesting because you know I, I think about that time period, and you know, like especially the early '90s seems like. It's, it might have been a feasible time to have built a career around just being in small. I mean, that, that's when the, the re, that you know indie films were kind of the the the, the thing. I, I probably left New York yeah. at the wrong time yeah. because I would have probably had a better trajectory with that in New York yeah. at that time. But it didn't work out that way. Yeah, I mean, you can't. You know, you you seem. You seem to be happier doing music. Yes, yes, absolutely. I was very, I mean, and as I said, there was a part of me that was always ambivalent because I didn't quite choose it. I happened into it. Now I'm, I'd be much more excited to go back and be in some projects selectively. I mean, not at the expense of music uh, or songwriting, but uh, I have a different rapport with it since the Louis experience. And I have done a couple of films since then and... And you can just—I mean, obviously, the, 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 you had a great opportunity, and it sounds like he sought you out, which yep. is great. Yep. Um, but it's just once once you get back into it, you could just kind of start doing it again. Well, no, not <laughs> not that easy. I, yeah. I again, I don't have an agent or anything, yeah. but I think about it sometimes. I had fun doing that, and I was mortified at first, not being sure if I can pull it off, and. But I think I enjoy bringing what I know from living and from performing music into it. So I have, I can actually find some joy in it now that I don't know that I was able to towards the end of my my acting career, do, do whatever you, when, we want to call it. Do you get like 
the fact that you're allowed to speak, you know, not allowed, but the fact that you're required to speak Hungarian, is that is, is that a nice little like safety net as far as like getting back into it? <laughs> it, well, it's funny because I thought about it just the opposite. As you okay. said, I had a real hard time with the pigeonholing thing. Yeah. But once I got past that, hmm, I never thought about it. Maybe because, yeah, maybe there's less. I mean, uh, nobody knows, not nobody, but the vast majority of the audience has no idea what you're saying. Yeah. So it's a, you're in a maybe, sense of kind of easing into it a little bit there. Maybe so. I didn't yeah. think about that. Maybe that was a safety net. Well, I'm, I'm ready to tackle the next challenge and speak English. Yeah. <laughs> So so, so so you you're starting you're kind of getting back into the music right around the same time that you decide to move back to New York. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit before, but yeah. but definitely when I moved back to New York, it was like okay, that, this is what I'm doing, and I'm making a record, and yeah. Yeah, well, the, you know, I was, I was interviewing a band uh, from LA um, last night, and it's, I mean, it, it's a very this is going to sound so stupid, but it's a very different place to be a musician. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It, it in a sense, New York seems like this again, this is going to sound really silly, but it's, you know, in a sense, it seems like New York is kind of an easier place to kind of go out and play. Well, everything is easier in terms of going out and doing anything because in LA, there's yeah. just this constraints of, traffic and driving 45 minutes everywhere yeah and and this sounds like a stupid boring practical point yeah but it's actually it really impacts your day-to-day life and interactions and and the level of spontaneity that's possible but um but was it was it the the uh the kind of the the earnest beginning of your musical career that did that play a role in moving I think so I think so because I once I left and I realized that I don't live in New York anymore I think it gave me a little bit of buffer to come back with something you know I'm doing versus still trying to act or yeah uh, something new that I really can sink my teeth into that and also the fact that I had some ties to the music world here because of my early years growing up here and all those people I knew uh, from then, we're still the majority of them were still here. Of course, it wasn't like a scene the same way, but even if it was a sort of placebo, it gave me the feeling that I have a yeah. bit of a community to come back to. What 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 are those? What what are the first steps that you take? I mean, is it really as as sort of like kind of cliche as as doing open mic nights and just standing out and playing? Oh my God, I actually did do that in LA. Yeah. In L.A., you, but that was really horrifying. <laughs> I did. I did. I, there was this very cute little place, Casita de Campas, and this woman I know, um, I forget her name. It's like a little Mexican restaurant yes. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a very had, L.A. experience. Yes, and it's actually kind of a hip place. It's yeah. So it wasn't like, I never did open mic nights like in pathetic places, thank sure. God. But... That's funny. No one's asked me that, and I don't know if I, I'm. I'm almost getting heart palpitations remembering. <laughs> it's really nerve wracking. Was that was that more? I mean, I guess it had to be. I was going to ask if it was more more nerve wracking than getting up on stage. But if you were going up on stage when you were a kid, if you were kind of bored into that in a sense, yeah. like the the nervousness you were experiencing yes. is very yes. Different. I think the difference is I always have nervousness anyway. And now I've made friends with it. And when I was in in theater. I had nervousness then, but it was a familiar nervousness. This was a new kind of... Yeah. You're um, exercising a whole new muscle. And plus, there is something, I would say, about singing 
that's particularly vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Really particularly vulnerable. So that was a whole new tier of of stage fright or anxiety or whatever we want to call it. Well, and and you're and you know, and when it comes to acting, you like you know that you're good at it at least, or you, or you know that people are receiving it well. Yeah, and this yeah. Is an, this is a whole new. This thing. is a whole new thing. Were you singing on stage theatrically? At no. All? Oh yeah. You know what? There was one play where I did okay. sing theatrically, but um, it was still in the confines of yeah, yeah, yeah. of theatrical scene. And you're right that that was a songs. big part of, and it wasn't my song, and that was a big part of it, having to prove myself in a new genre, in a new not genre. In a new medium, yeah. Um, I felt a lot of pressure about that. Now, no one else put that pressure on me, but me. But for some reason, that was huge for me. Like, oh yeah, you think you can do this too? Yeah. Kind of voice in my head. There, and there, there's also this, you know, when when you when you've been around it for so long and you've seen people get up and play music, and you've seen people be really bad playing music. You, like you sort of like. You have a different idea of what the consequences are, like you yeah. Know, you've <laughs> but but you know, I always gave more permission for others to be bad than yeah. for myself. That's I think everyone does that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I guess I, I guess I mean that from the standpoint of like you know, if you hadn't seen people be really bad, you you there there might be this assumption that you, as long as you get up there and as long as you're earnest and as long as you pour your heart out, oh, that yeah. people be, will be receptive. Yeah. To it. Yeah. But like no. But but the sad fact of the matter is when it comes to doing something creative it's the people who risk the most and who are able to be the most earnest and naked who fall the flattest on yes, their face. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I did. I did fall flat a few times. Really flat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like literally flat. Probably saying totally out of pitch. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. You have to be willing to make an ass of yourself. And I understood that after. You know, I uh, I wasn't comfortable if if i had if i had said to myself then well i just have to go out there and make a fool of myself and then everything will be okay Mm -hmm. after i probably wouldn't have done it yeah it's looking back that i realized yeah i had to do that and i was willing to do that with putting it in different terms yeah and uh, i survived and you know hopefully now i make a little bit less of an ass of myself (laughs) it's funny you know people talk about the i think it's like the malcolm gladwell like the ten thousand hour thing and it's just it's like it's almost too pragmatic of an approach, you know. It's yeah. almost too like yeah. practical of an yes. approach. Yes. You've got to go out. I mean, I think the only way to do it is to sort of go out and, and imagine that you're just as likely to do incredibly well. Yeah. The first yep. time. Yes. And you have to have some successes early on in order to. And keep I going. had that. Yeah. I had that. I had just that little bit of hubris from. <laughs> it was a weird thing because the hubris combined with complete and utter insecurity. So it's hard to explain, but yeah. I had that early experience that told me that I could potentially do well because I did do well standing up at age 10 and starring in a yeah. crazy avant-garde theater play, you know. So. Were, they, were they your songs right away? Um, so first I worked with a musician from L.A., a French guy, and... He wrote, he kind of wrote the music, I would say, and I wrote yeah. the lyrics. You gotta work with so, the French guy. Yeah, gotta That's work with the French guy. It. Yeah, he was a great guitarist. Yeah. It was a great partnership for a short while, and then we went our separate. He actually played in that band um, for a long time. Um, Sixteen horsepower. Do you okay. know them? I don't. They 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 were they had a they had their following. Moment. They had their yeah. moment, um, and uh, he played great slide and. Uh, 
I love the slide. And so there so you like are. A, we, like a bluegrassy? Nope. It was yeah. uh, a weird combination of blues and gypsy, okay, I would say. a little say. bit of Django in there? A little bit of Django, yeah. but not so jazzy. Yeah. I don't mean gypsy in the jazzy sense. So, uh, but um, it's cool. Yeah, but he uh, used all the strings. He used, like, yeah. all the strings. He used yeah. all the strings. Um, and I wrote words and uh, sang, and I tanked the first time, mm-hmm. and the second time was better, and the third time. And I, I, I think I didn't even realize how I tanked the first time until I listened back to a recording, and then yeah. I never wanted to sing again for the rest of my life. And then I got up and did it again, and that's the trick. Yeah. You know, they always tell parents, like, after. I mean, that's really the thing. So you, you, you've got to... You, you have to be a little bit blind to it the first time you yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even think I tanked as badly as yeah. I now recall because people are totally supportive. But I remember that I was horrified when I listened back to the recording. W- w- was there a sense that, like, you have acting as a fallback? Um, you know, no. I no. think the painful truth was that I didn't really have acting anymore. I already broke those ties, and it sort of petered out for me, or it felt like it did. And um, I mean, I had my desire to write, to work with words, so I suppose I always had that to fall back on, but I wasn't even thinking in those terms necessarily. I just, I really wanted this to work, and my heart was in it. Um... I, I, I didn't think that kind of long term. Like, what if it just turns out I really can't do th- this? Yeah. I, I just didn't think long term like that. It's not that I, I was sure that it would work. It just I didn't think long term. Probably out of fear. Well, how, how old were you at the time? Um, twenty-seven, okay, twenty-eight, so, something you know, like you that. Always, could always work at an accounting Pe- people, firm or People in their 20s don't really think long-term yeah. ahead for the most part. Although nowadays they do. When the scene I came from, they didn't. Yeah. We, I mean, you, you have to now in New York. Like yeah, you now you, you have you to. Can't, you can't now. That, I mean, see, I never learned that. I'm really like still yeah. a child that way. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm th- you know, somebody who moved to New York in 2004, I think. Oh, okay. Like, you know, from? California. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so you are you from LA? I'm from uh, San Francisco. Okay, good. But I know, but I know LA. It's oh, not no, no, like no, no, I was no, no, sitting here no, trashing no, no. LA. I was and... telling somebody before that I was trying to explain. I was trying to explain to New Yorker, like how Northern Californians feel about Los Angeles, and the best analogy I could come up with was um, how uh, Yankees fans feel about the Red Sox. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's that bad, huh? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, like yeah. all all of this sort of like kind of um, like cliches and hate that people in New York feel about LA like we get that okay you get that yeah 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 Yeah. I used to love San Francisco when I lived in LA and I would take a lot of drives up there but I just couldn't move there because it was too expensive and so you moved to New York yeah I know (laughs) so so but what what I was getting at is you know moving moving here in uh I mean 2004 2004 and and uh, you know I was gonna say like with uh when we're talking about security, but I guess I was an yeah. intern, so maybe this doesn't really count. But, but it's, but I mean, yeah, I mean that's sort of, you know, talk about hubris. I, you know, I'm moving to New York and I'm going to be a songwriter. Like, how did that, how did that work out? Well, I never looked at that as a way of 
security. Yeah. And that and that was not. Were you working the whole time? I, I had all kinds of odd jobs. Yeah. Um, I actually got very lucky. I was in a film that I got cut out of, but I got a, the. I made the most money I ever made on anything yeah. on that because of some loophole rules where if you're seen for even a minute, you get residuals, and it happened to be a huge movie. Oh. Um, what, what movie? Not that I got... The whole scene that I was in got cut. Yeah. Um, just defending my... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the scene got cut because of your performance. I yeah. mean, who knows? You know what? <laughs> it may, may have... What was um, this huge movie? It, it was... I mean, it was... a not huge it wasn't Star Wars but it was that movie Indecent Proposal oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Stone, uh. and uh, it was actually a nightmare experience working on it <laughs> um, not not totally but uh, Woody Harrelson was super nice yeah uh, but uh, I made good money so that helped me move back that was another reason that that was the time I moved back I had a little bit of money um, but I never looked at songwriting as as security. I mean, that's yeah. pretty. That would be pretty sad, especially nowadays. Like, I think I'll be a mime. That's it. Now I figured out how to. Sure. Yeah. But it's yeah. like it's, at some point, it's like you know you. At what point do you get to say that that's what you are and that's, that's well, I think, I just. I think maybe that's because of the theater um, experience that I had and the influence of my father's way of working and and the other founders of the theater. We didn't really pussyfoot around like that. That wasn't part of my vocabulary. Like, oh, I'm just going to try to see if this works. Um, And I always have something else to follow. It's like if you're going to do something artistic, you fucking dive in. Well, that's, and, that might be the nice, the nice, really nice thing that like that he instilled and in that, that that whole formative experience instilled is like, I'm an artist, I'm a yes, creative person, exactly. And that's, that's who I am. Like, I'll, I'll do something creative at some point, but like, that's what defines me. Well, and and actually, that was always there for me, but I wasn't that conscious of it. Hmm. I just, I just blindly went ahead and did my artistic things with no consideration as to whether it will work out or not. Yeah. Um, but also kind of neurotically doubting whether I have a right to do that because am I really an artist and finally that issue settled it's the one wonderful thing about being a little older it's like about I don't even know if it's that long ago like probably less than 10 years ago maybe 6, 7, 5 years ago I don't know I was like okay there's no use wrestling with this one anymore I have to like make art and create and there's nothing else I'm good at was but I mean was there was there a moment? So you put out what three solo mm-hmm. albums? I mean was was there a moment? Was it was it any one of those albums or or a collaboration when it was like okay this is this is working this was a, a good choice I don't need to you know I don't need to be an actor or an accountant I can right. just be a musician. Well, financially it's never become clearer sure. to this day. But if you're just talking more about like. Um, Artistically, yeah. uh, it's it's not it's not so concrete. Like you don't have that notion, and then you suddenly have that notion, and it's totally solid. Yeah, it's not quite like that. Yeah. It's a little more touch and go, you know. But I think um, when I had my 
son, I had to take a break for a few years, and I think that may have rattled my security about it, even though, like, after my second album, probably, I had no doubt that this is what I do. Um, And then taking that few years break may have once again rattled my security a little bit. And I think now with my last album, like, once I... I started performing those songs even before I went into the studio. I felt more confident than ever about um, that I can write songs. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to sound. That sounds really pompous and arrogant. I can write songs is a pompous. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, especially for a songwriter who has a few Mm -hmm. albums out. Okay. All right. Um, But but this was the first. So, so that came out in 2015 and that, I, yeah. that was the first one after that what like 10 years that was like a 10 year break yeah yeah, yeah. did Which you is, have that uh, I had a lot off? of I mean I had a lot of other projects in there yeah. musically so it wasn't a completely dead period for me I, I definitely had a deliberate several year break because of a lot of circumstances my father was ill I had to tend to him my my son was a baby and then a toddler so sure. there's a lot of stuff like that but um, I also during this 10 year period did recordings with some other people and I kept writing and I did start performing well before I started um, recording I yeah. was back in the local performing game I toured with uh, with Mark Rebo Ceramic Dog for a year uh, and recorded with him on several projects. I record. He's, he's, he works with Tom Waits, right? So, well, yeah. among many other people, yeah. yeah, yeah he's yeah. a great guitar player, and he's played with a million people. But he has his own projects, yeah. and I, and and he's called me in on several of his projects. I recorded with uh, Swans and uh, and uh, and my, and Angels of Light, two Angels yeah. of Light records, um, and. There's other things in there that I'm forgetting, performing and recording-wise. But so there was definitely a bit of activity. I just hadn't made a record in a really long but that, time. I mean, that, that must take some of the pressure off, you know, of just throwing yourself into somebody else's project. Yes, yes. And you can sort of, like, come in and come out. Yeah, although more. that particular band that I toured with, Ceramic Dog, that wasn't necessarily about taking the pressure off because he he really throws a lot at you which yeah. is great it was an amazing work working experience i i wouldn't i loved it and i learned a lot from it but it threw me into the fire right away like you know oh by the way the show starts in 10 minutes and we're doing this brand new song <laughs> that you've never heard here here's yeah. the score oh and but we're not doing it in this key we're doing yeah. it in a different key you come from experimental <laughs> theater that yeah. must have been a, a yeah. piece of cake for you right <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, because he's he's the heavyweight, and yeah. so is the other two guys in his band. So I was in the major leagues. It was really scary. Yeah. Um, was it was it a was there a conscious decision of like I'm going to wait until my child is a certain age before I no. go out? No. Or did ten years just sort of like it, fly it by? went by because yeah. there was a lot of stuff going on and. Um, a lot of personal stuff. Yeah. Uh, the whole music scene changed. It became a lot harder to make a record. Hmm. Um, That's interesting because from most people's descriptions, at least in a lot of ways, it's it's easier to make a record. Well, right? because people do it at home yeah. and they do it themselves. But I still want to work with musicians. So if you're talking about going into a studio to find mm. financing, now is a lot I harder. See, yeah. 
Um, but I think it did compound all the stuff that was going on, which I'm not getting into all of it, but raising a kid. Uh, I really that's enough did, stuff right I there. I mean, that's that's yeah. a lot right there. But also, I think by the last couple of years, there was this little bit cumulative effect of having taken all that time off and being, once again, a little scared, like a, yeah. feeling like a rookie again. But that... And everything changed in And everything way. changed. And then um, it's really hard to start. And no one is saying that the world is waiting for another Esther Ballant record. It wasn't like you have to do this or else something but i had to do it and once i got on that horse it was great it was really really great have have you built up enough of a following through the music that people were excited about a new record well i yes and no i mean it was it's it's really well received it's really well received but it's really well received by smaller print like really big papers they're looking at I, I mean I'm not trying to but looking at social media followers and that's a whole big part of the sure. new game and yeah. I'm not so super on top of that game You're you not know snapchatting I'm not snapchatting and I'm not I haven't figured out all the way to cultivate like thousands of Twitter followers it's really hard I, it's really yeah. hard as somebody who does like writing an editorial like even that it's it's really you take I I I took for grant. I took it for granted until I had to start doing it myself and realizing that, like, just sending something out in the world isn't necessarily going to make people read it and follow it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It it is hard, but there are some savvy people who really yeah. know how to do that. Yeah. That's not what I'm good at. Yeah. And that's not what I'm interested at in is the bigger problem. So, I found out through experience that I'm better at things that interest me than at the things that don't. There's a certain it's amount of engagement odd. though as, as somebody who like is, is an artist that, that must be nice, you know, of, there of the immediate gratification. There is. And there is. Especially there, not knowing like after 10 years if people are going to be excited No, that's about it. actually, you know what, getting that feedback through through like even Facebook or yeah. fi- Twitter or whatever, that little bit of immediate feedback is actually really nice. Uh it's that feeling that you reached someone, you yeah. know. That's great. Um, but I have to just admit that I'm not really good at cultivating the, yeah. the whole that whole world. It's Knowing not, when to do it and yeah, keywords. Yeah, and exactly. Oh, my God, I know yeah. nothing about that. And people start telling me that, and I'm just, like, falling asleep, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> so did, did that... Did raising a son, did, I mean, how much, I mean, I assume it had to have, but how much of what you were working through at the time, how much of that played a role in the actual songwriting? Quite a bit. Yeah. Everything plays a role, and so that was my life. Yeah. It played a huge role. Um, I actually think that I uh, started looking outside more in my writing, even though a lot of the um, songs relate to my observations yeah. about people, but they're more observational a little bit than my previous lyrics. So I think that that looking outside might have something to do with being a parent and having another yeah, I person. I think it's also maturity too. It's maturity sense, right? too. It's like yep. realizing there are yeah. other people in the world. Yep, yep. Um, so I think it has a lot to do with it, everything, but it's hard to put it into a few simple yeah. words. It's so sort of. Mysterious. Mysterious well, is the good word. I, I guess, in, you know, in, in a sense, you were a little more 
sort of stationary than you were before. I mean, you were here, you were yes. raising a kid, yes. so um, you know maybe you had to go out of yourself a little bit in order to find those stories. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And and I exactly that's a good point. I don't want to write about nursing. That's boring. <laughs> you know, that's really does well, not make for a good song. I mean, song. it could. I'm sure, like, you know, I'm sure in the right hands it could be a fascinating <laughs> Maybe. song. Maybe. I'm sure. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, but, but, the, but the fear is, and this is something, you know, getting back to Louis C.K., I mean, I, this is something that he does tremendously well is, like, you know, he goes, he has, he does this, he has this, like, weird abstract stand-up he used to do. Yeah. He has these kids. And like yeah. oh great like now it's dad comic but but he was able to harness that in a really smart as way who doesn't have kids yeah. like still a really funny way like you can take that and as long as you take the right approach something that seems like it would be really internalized or boring to other people yeah you can make interesting it's funny because i had early on when i had my son i really thought about well this is a huge experience and this is the biggest connection sure. i've ever felt with anything and anyone that means I should write a song yeah, about yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah. And every time I tried, it was like, there is no way. I just can't. I can't. Well, it's, it's like everything I write is like so and... corny <laughs> <Yeah>. and awful. <laughs> and I was like, this is not happening. I'm not writing about yeah. being. A... But I wrote a song called The Mother, yeah, which. It's the first song. It's first the first. Track, yeah. yeah. And I believe that my being a mother had a lot to do with me relating to this story or this person in that story and that fierce connection and imagining the loss of that. And it seems like you were thinking about an album. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, what happened was I wrote all these lyrics and at one point I... I started thinking in terms of an album, and I and I sat down. And I was like, "Let's put this all together into one file and see what I have." And I, I was dealing uh, with a couple of tremendous losses around this time, um, incidentally. But I never decided to write about that. Hmm. But when I read these lyrics, I realized that I'm writing over and over and over again about mortality and the finality of life and I was like okay this is an album about death fine okay let's go <laughs> which did not mean that I was going to strict to a, going with a strict agenda from yeah. that point forward but I just accepted that this theme interested me and played a big role in this time in my life it's it seems that's so interesting to me though as somebody like I'm not a songwriter at all and it's and it's interesting to me that you can write songs about mortality and not realize that until you take a step back and look at them i i think i would maybe realize it on the individual song okay. but i didn't realize how sort of all pervasive the theme was on yeah. across the board how how I mean, how, how abstract is the approach to songwriting? Like, do you write songs and not know what they're about at the time? Sometimes. Yeah. Um, I would say on this record, pretty much all the songs, maybe not, maybe there is one or two exceptions, but most of them are pretty deliberately yeah. about something. A couple in a slightly more abstract way, but I think that the intention is pretty deliberate. With how interesting these. is that, though, that you the thing that kept you away from making an album for so long was 
having a child was bringing life into the world, you had sort of considered about channeling that in your songwriting. This the album that comes out is His about death. death. Interest. Well, flip sides of the same coin. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, cycle of life stuff. Yeah. It's also you know, and I mean I lost my dad during this songwriting period, and. And he started sort of going down right at the same time as I had my my son. So it was a very weird, interesting... It's a very psych- cycle-of-life moment for you. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like dovetailing. It turns, it turns out, in, in my experience, death is easier to c- contemplate in song than childbirth, for me. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's um, I mean, you, you don't you don't get removed from the child rearing process yeah, until exa- the kid is out, exactly right? exactly and by out i mean you know like i out think in the world. you just hit it yeah. i think that's really it you yeah. need a certain amount of detachment to write a good song yeah that's what i didn't have with my kid it was like wow you know <laughs> here it, it, it'll be yeah and it's hard not to be cheesy when you're yeah yeah exactly it's um there's one little reference in yeah. there but um but also, I do want to add, because I mentioned the word death a few times, and so did you, I didn't set out to make a morbid record, and I yeah. kind of hope it didn't come out that way, because oh. that's not how I was, I was... It wasn't like any sort of perverse fas- fascination with death as an intriguing interest. It wasn't that kind yeah. of a looking at death. It was looking at the fertile, rich ground that the idea of finality provides when you examine that, you know, because it's also the flip side of that is love in a way. It's being present and here and capable of love and maybe even capable of love beyond here. So I I just, when you say that, when you put it in the context of, oh, I realized this album was about death, it sounds a little more morbid than I had intended ever. Are you, I mean, obviously it's sort of part of the healing and part of the the catharsis process for you, but um, when these songs are tied that closely to it, I mean, is it possible to not feel, intensely feel that emotion every time you play a song about a Good question. Um... Not that like intense feeling is a bad thing when you know. For no, no, no. That's what I was just thinking about. Yeah. That to a certain degree, that's a good thing. Beyond a certain degree, it's not a good thing. But I think again, we go back to that's why I was able to write the songs. Uh, by the time yeah. I write them and I process them and I record them, I think I have that detachment that I'm able to not uh, fall apart. Let's say performing the song. Um, that wouldn't be good. Yeah. I don't think that would work. Well, yeah, and you just don't want to. You just don't yeah. want to keep reliving. Yeah, that over and over yeah, again. It sounds yeah. It's but it's a really fine line. Yeah, and I because you have to be honest. Yeah. yeah, and I love hitting that fine line. And then I think that's also how I look at good writing. It's also that fine line of there's something very real and honest and profound going on but you have to have some detachment actually yeah. to, to do it but it's so that of, other people can be moved too not just yeah. you so it's not this in, internal but I guess this is this like feeling that like yeah but if the circumstances are just perfect like you could fall to pieces all it over could again happen. yeah um 
But I don't think so. There's just the whole, there's a performance going on. You know, there's a, and I'm connecting to the music too, not just the words. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting to contemplate, but it's never happened to me. It's, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to keep yourself grounded because this is, this is something I'm constantly thinking about, that, that this is like, you know, why I've like, you know, flirted with like meditation in the past right. is like the whole like being in the moment thing, and that's yeah. and um, I mean, so you're 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 about to, to, to do some touring on this, right? Well, touring okay. maybe a, a str- sure. I'm, I'm doing some out of town okay. dates. Yeah, I, I just you know I, this is probably not something you you run into as much, at least not recently. But that is the thing that you risk um, is. You, you sort of get get into the habit of doing it, and it's easy to sort of get detached from it. It's easy to get detached from what the words originally meant when you're just kind but of... But I don't, actually, because that's yeah. that thing. It's like you want to find that balance. You don't want to get so detached yeah. that... Um, I mean, I'm thinking particularly of one song, and I... I've just not had that problem, but I think that's what art is. Art is that thing where you... Yeah. I mean, if you fall apart and and sob when you're presenting some really meaningful that becomes maudlin almost yeah. right or have you ever seen anyone do that really well a fall apart performance yeah, yeah you know who does who, who did that I don't know if she does it anymore but uh, Cat Power used to do that all the time really she used to she, she was but like weeping crying on stage I don't know her sto- like I don't know her story that I don't know how much of it was like performing in, yeah. in front of people but like she I assume that it was some sort of really... Yeah, you want to... I think you want to connect with the words, absolutely. But but you also want to connect with your audience. And when you're doing all the emoting, I think it actually doesn't help the connection. Yeah. Uh, You want the words to connect... The words and the song and the music and the whole thing to connect to the listener. And that's sort of what art is in a way yeah i mean that's is that's why so many artists do drugs right i mean it's right you gotta you right. gotta you have to i mean you know obviously they're the they're the most kind of like empathic among us and and you need to yeah. put some yeah. sort of some sort of filter you. yeah absolutely yeah. we'll see i mean you know i could be saying this now and i could be looking for deeper and deeper connection performing yeah. this song and i could reach that point where it's like uh-oh yeah, uh, but it has n- never happened yet, or come close. It'll it'll be interesting to see if you you know if you do start acting more, and it, I mean you're certainly yeah. in that direction. But it'll sort of you know it'll be it'll be interesting to see how those things feed into each other because it's been a long time. If I don't know if you've ever quite had a moment where you were really earnestly pursuing both things at the same time. Nope, not yeah. really, not really, and. Uh, I still would say I, I would be hesitant to say I'm earnestly pursuing acting, yeah. but I could I could turn that corner. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely a lot more curious about that experience now than I was when I quit, or maybe but, ever. But how like how you know how cool is it to see like to see the Louis Ruiz come out and everyone's like, yeah, no, I I'm re-, like people were happy that you yeah. were acting. Like yeah. people, particularly from the I mean this was a million years ago, but particularly from like yeah. the the Jim Jarmusch movie, yep. like they're like. I mean, you know, like for, you know, maybe for some of those people, you're like, a kind of like, whatever happened to her? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a little like possible. a kind of a bummer to say, but I mean, but, no, but I that's know. through your own. That's, 
That's absolutely true. And you made that decision yourself. Like you actively decided to move into something else. Um, yes. It's not like yes. you were necessarily yeah. forced yeah. out of acting or um, or toiling in obscurity and yeah. background roles. But some days I do toil in sure. obscurity, well, and that's that, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah, maybe that's, that's a good thing. It's a good thing, thing yeah. to not like be the person that everybody recognizes on the yeah. street. I'd like to be more films, maybe even yeah. theater. Who knows? Um, I like exploring how the two inform each other. Yeah. And and um, it's an opportunity. I mean, acting will be an opportunity to get out of that headspace to focus yeah. on something else for a while. Yeah. And, and it'll be interesting to see how... Um, if the songs flow a little easier when you're focused on something else, I mean that's you know it's right. I uh, mean that uh, that I think is true across the board for you everyone. When you're when you're yeah. yeah when you have a little bit more like air because you have other yeah. things, it's always. Um, but an, I, I feel a lot healthier all around now about my music and singing and performing than I ever did. Yeah. So. Um, so maybe it won't be 10 years before the next one comes out? Hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> it's really hard, though. The yeah. music business is crazy. So I still have those moments when I ask myself, oh, wait, why why make another record? Like, It's not like I can make any money on it. It's not like I can even get a tour. You know, it's really hard, yeah. the reality of it. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed making this, and it, it, I, I'm really flattered by all the reviews really nice is it I mean in the end especially when you're so involved in every step of the process and it's your own project I mean is it ultimately more fulfilling to be a musician for you yeah I would say yeah 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 but I'm interested in exploring the the sort of deeper layers of acting now so that's not to say I'm but I think I always have to have my own something to some story to make up version of some version of that is always going to be in my life. Do you recognize how charmed you are that like you could stop doing something for 20 years and then just kind of pick it up? Yeah. I mean, the Louis thing, I'm incredibly lucky. That just came to me and I was like, for a minute, I almost tried to talk him out of hiring (laughs) me and I'm super lucky. I don't, yeah. But, you know, I'm also very humbled by my experience of everything that I do that seems incredibly charmed. Then then the real real life shit comes right back, right yeah. after, you know, paying the bills and how to figure that out. And, and not people are knocking down my door to hire me in the starring yeah. role. And so, I mean, it's it's back and sure. forth. And it's great that I've been through a lot of these roller coasters in my life because I don't... I, take them with a grain of salt now whereas when I was much younger it was harder to there you go those Esther Ballant uh, I, I received an email from her PR person about her new record Airless Midnight and, and checked it out I really enjoyed it and figured that she'd be interesting to have on the show it's it's not, not exactly uh, the, the, the kind of music that we often have on here so I thought she'd make an interesting guest and then I started digging into her her background, you know, checked out her, her Wikipedia page, went down that rabbit hole and realized that she just has one of the all-time most amazing resumes. Um, 
you know, I obviously uh, it, 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 it took a second to connect all the dots. And obviously I've seen him several movies that she's been in. Didn't recognize her name, um, but realized that she hasn't been in that mo- many movies, but just about every one of them is incredible. Uh, she's a teenager when she started in, in Stranger Than Paradise. She was in uh, Shadows and Fog, really underrated Woody Allen movie. Uh, Trees Lounge, the uh, movie in the 90s directed by Steve Buscemi, also a really great film. Recently appeared on Louie, um, and then just has been producing really awesome music with really awesome artists over the years. So, absolute pleasure speaking with her, and her story is is. Just even even if you even if you take some of those things out, it's still an absolutely amazing story. Um, you know, moving here to the states from Budapest with her family and being part of a, an avant-garde theater in the city, and uh, just an absolute pleasure speaking to her. So thanks so much to her for taking the time to do that. Really, really enjoyed it, and highly recommend checking out uh, checking out her, her new record, Airless Midnight. Thanks so much to her. Uh, thanks to Brian, as always, for writing the show together. Thanks to everybody who has been supporting us on Patreon. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I mentioned at the top of the show, worth mentioning again, we are looking for your support. Um, we, we, we're not running ads right now. Uh, haven't asked for money before, but I'm just hoping that um, you know we can get a handful of people out there that that can help us pay for for Brian to produce the show, uh, pay some of our hosting fees, things like that. Uh, any anything he can do will will absolutely help. Even even a dollar per show will, will amount out to be a big help in the end. So uh, if he can, please do it. You can find out all the information over on our Tumblr. That's rylcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all of your R-I-Y-L-related information. If you've got any feedback, it's rylcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Uh, Please uh, rate us on iTunes as well. And uh, lots and lots of good shows lined up. So stick around because we'll be back just about this time next week with another episode of R-I-Y-L. R-I-Y-L.